Um, we are continuing our sermon series, as Ted mentioned, uh, our sermon series on unity in Christ, church unity. And we have the blessing to be nourished by God's word today, particularly on the passage of how unity is applied as members of the body of Christ. But first, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word. Oh Lord, we thank you for your kindness that you've given your precious word. May we have humble hearts to listen to your word so that we would know you and your plan for your church so that we would grow in unity to love you and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. 2,000 years ago, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, lived here on this earth in a human body. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh. The eternal, holy Son of God dwelt among us. With His eyes, He saw the lost and had compassion on them. With his mouth, he spoke his word to preach, rebuke, and give life. With his feet, he walked on water and traveled around Judea to preach the good news. With his um, ears, he heard the cries of those who were afflicted and the crowd saying, Crucify him. With his hands, he showed love and compassion by touching and healing the sick. And with those same hands, his, his, he was nailed on the cross. And that, in that same body, Jesus Christ suffered, crucified, and buried. This same body was also raised from the dead. And at the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus ascended to heaven. As his physical body ascended, another body of Christ was being formed here on earth. And that body of Christ is the church. One body went up and another body was being formed. So right now, there are two bodies of Christ, one in heaven and one here on earth. One body of Christ is physical. The other body of Christ is spiritual, yet he lives in both. One body is in heaven, and the other body of Christ is spread out throughout the earth. And Jesus Christ continues to proclaim the gospel and show acts of love and compassion through his body here on her earth. He does so through the body of Christ, and that is us, the church. In our passage for today, the Apostle Paul illustrates the nature and importance of unity within the body of Christ. So please take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verses 12 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. There are 13 sentences in our passages, and Paul uses the word body almost 20 times in the context of church unity. The human body is a remarkable creation of God, consisting of interconnected and diverse parts. Just as a human body is made up of different organs, tissues, and cells working together, so too is the church that has many members working in harmony as one body. But similarly to an earthly body, it could have problems. If one part is not functioning right, the other parts are affected. Even a small part of the body can affect the whole health of the body. Do you remember the time when you had a toothache? Or maybe when you stubbed your toe? Or maybe just a small paper cut in your finger? It affects you. In church, it only takes one or few members who can affect the whole health of the body. It only takes a little leaven to affect the whole lump. Like the ten spies who influenced Israel to doubt God's promise. 
the church of Corinth was like, was like a body plagued with many problems. And as we've been learning in our sermon series, that the sin of the Corinthian church was pride that led to man-centeredness, worldliness, and selfishness. And that caused divisions in the church. This unity in the church is like a cancer cell, which can start small, but Paul was like a spiritual surgeon addressing it so it wouldn't spread, or else the body, the church, would become dysfunctional. And this is why Paul's concern is so serious. Even though this was addressed to the Corinthian church, we're not immune from these problems. This is why our passage speaks to us on how we can grow our unity as members of the body of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27, we find three lessons about being members of the body so that we can grow in our unity in Christ. So let's go to the first point. The first point is the design of the body of Christ in verses 12 to 13. Can I ask the AV team to go to my next slide? Thank you. The design of the body of Christ. Our passage begins with the word for. For. It means it's an explanation of the previous passage. In verses 1 to 11, Paul was correcting their misunderstanding of their spiritual gifts. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers their gifts for God's purpose. Their, their distorted view of spiritual gifts led to boasting and led to jealousy. And that contributed to the disunity of the church. The Corinthian church lost sight of God's purpose, of God's intent, of God's design for the church. And this is why Paul illustrates the unity among members through the design of the human body. Paul states in verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though, are one body, so it is with Christ. What does he mean by that? Christ's body is, just, is one just as, just as the human body is also one. He's saying that Christ is not divided. He said, Paul said that in the earlier chapters. Christ's body as a church will have many and diverse members, but united as one. You see, Paul didn't say, be united because you are a body of Christians. He didn't say that. He didn't even say, be united because you are a body of people with an MVP. He didn't say that. Paul begins his exhortation of his unity by looking to Christ. What he's saying is we're the body of Christ. And we see that in verse 27. Body of Christ. Of Christ. It, it is a possessive phrase indicating that we belong to Christ in a very special and unique way as a member of his body. And we should recognize that we were baptized into 
his church. We were baptized by God to his church. Look at verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. It's past tense. It is done. We received an action from God. And God is the doer of the action. God is the baptizer. But Paul is not talking about water baptism here. He's talking about spiritual baptism. And spirit baptism in Scripture is entirely the work of God and is synonymous with salvation. We were saved by God. We didn't choose to be saved. God chose us, and not only that, He placed us into His church. We were baptized into one body. Now, the word baptism would have been understood as immersion. It means it is to, play, to be placed, uh, to place something or to be plunged into something. And back then in Paul's time, they understood that that is used when someone takes a piece of clothing and there would be a water or a bowl of water with dye in it. And if one, changed, if, and if one wants to change the color of that piece of clothing, he would immerse that clothing into that bowl with dye in it. And when the person lifts that, lifts that clothing up, it is a new color. It is a new color. We were immersed into the body of Christ. We have been placed into the body of Christ. And just like that piece of clothing immersed into a dye from being color white, and then now when you put that with this color red, when you lift that up, it is now identified as color red, right? And that's the other aspect of baptism, identification. We are now identified with, with something in which we were baptized into. The old is gone. The new has come. And this is why Paul says that in one body, there are many parts or many people from different walks of life. Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free. Back then, in the early church, the Jewish Christians took pride of their race. Even though they were saved, they were still influenced or they still put their identity in the old covenant. And it was causing division in the early church because the church is composed of many believers from many different walks of life, including Gentiles. Paul had to remind the early church that the believer's primary identity is not based on race, social economic background, but on the gospel of Christ. We are united as one body of Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, you are not an American first who happens to be a Christian. No, you are a Christian first, a citizen of heaven who happens to be an American. I'm not a software engineer who happens to be a Christian. 
I'm a believer, saved by God, salt and light at the workplace first, who happens to work as a software engineer. You see, the world tries to put our value in our identity. And that identity could be based on a job title, a career, your net worth, the zip code you live in, the amount of followers in your social media. But our primary identity is that we are united with Christ. It's spiritual. It's eternal. And because our identity is tied to the gospel, we are also united with those who are united with Christ. So let me ask you, when you go to church, do we, when we go to church, do we look at one another the way Christ sees us? Or do we primarily look at each other's personality, common interests, hobbies, you know, work or social status? A brother or sister in Christ may be different from you in personality, age, socioeconomic background, even culture. But remember that, that the, the, your brother or your sister is saved by God. Christ died for them. Do we only show love attention, and genuine concern with those who are like ourselves or people with similar interests as ours? What bonds or unites us together with our church friends? Is it primarily with worldly things or is it eternal things? There is nothing wrong sharing a hobby or cheering for the same sports team together but if that's the only thing that unites us together, then Christ is, then is Christ really the reason that unites us together? So the summary here is that, remember, God baptized us into the body of Christ as many and diverse members for spiritual unity. Christianity is not only a personal relationship with God, but it's a corporate relationship with God. This means that a believer cannot be apart from the body if he wants to be united with Christ. And if we don't see the church body through God's design, it could lead to self-centered attitudes. This sinful heart attitude can lead to disunity or divisiveness in the church. Which leads us to the next point. The divisiveness of the Corinthian body. The divisiveness of the Corinthian body in verses 14 to 20. Paul was exposing a divisive heart attitude of the Corinthian church. He is correcting them by saying that the body does not consist of one member but of many. Look at verse 15 to 16. The foot and ear were speaking. Because I'm not a hand or I'm not an eye, then I do not belong to the body. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's be being exposed with the foot and, uh, and ear is that they have a self-centered heart attitude. Many of the Corinthian believers back then were unhappy with their gifts and ministry. 
Envy is a sure sign of self-centeredness. Now, why were they unhappy? Well, if you look at our passage, the foot compares itself to a hand. Well, the hand gets more attention. As a matter of fact, it can do more things than the foot. The hand can point, it can hold, it can paint, it sculpts, it's used for eating, right? And many other things. Hands are also beautiful, right? Compared to the feet. How about the feet? Feet, it's sweaty, it's stinky, it always gets dirty, right? You know that feeling of a sand between your toes. The ear compares himself to an eye. The eyes are beautiful, right? It gets more attention than the ears. Ears can have earwax and hair, you know? Now, for those of you who are married, I want you to look at your spouse. Look at their face. Do you tell, honey, I love your ears? Or do you say, honey, I want to hold your feet? <laughs> By the way, if, you're, if you love your spouse's ear more than the eye, that's okay. There's no judgment here, okay? That's okay. Well, what the point here is that there was division because Corinthians compared each other driven by their self-centered attitude. Now, this self-centered attitude can have two sides, okay? Listen. One is self-exaltation. The other one is self-deprecation. Two sides of the same coin. Now, let's look at self-exaltation. Self-exaltation wants a gift or ministry that gets attention to self. The ear and the foot might think, I deserve attention like the eye or the hand. And when you read the whole context of chapters 12 to 14, the Corinthian church were enamored by the gift of tongues because it gets attention. The bottom line is that they were discontent, and that discontentment produced division in the church. Now, the second self-centered attitude, self-deprecation. It thinks that his spiritual gift is not good enough to be useful. The ear and foot think they don't belong to, to the body because the eye or the hand are more useful. This attitude can come from many places. And one of them, it could be laziness. It's a way of getting out of serving that looks hard or difficult. Perhaps it's driven, driven by fear of, uh, of the fear of the unknown, of what's going to happen in the ministry. Perhaps it's driven by the fear of failure or a perfectionist attitude. But for any number of reasons, this self-deprecating attitude downplays their role in the body to a point where they doubt what God has placed them to be. What we might think that the only uh, problem is the self-exalting attitude, right? It can cause division because it's more obvious. But the self-deprecating attitude does not contribute to the unity of the church. It does not. Because that member is not serving. That member is not using his gift to build up the body. Questioning our spiritual gifts is questioning God. And not using our spiritual gifts is disobeying God. 
You see, these two self-centered attitudes, it was causing division in the church of Corinth. Comparing oneself to others is a dangerous territory. And instead of looking to Christ, we could become self-centered and man-centered. We could think, why don't I have this gift like this brother or sister? Why am I not gifted like this? Or we can take it to the next level. Why is my spouse not gifted in this area while this person, he is, or her, she is? You could take it to the next level, comparison. Why is our church not like that church? Brothers and sisters, do we pray and trust and wait for the Lord by faith? Do we recognize that it is God who builds up the church? And look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Who is the doer of here in this passage? It is God again. It is God who arranges the members in the body. So that means God wired and gifted us in certain ways to have roles in the church, not according to our ways, but according to His way. Who can question His ways? You know, God is sovereign and He knows what He's doing. If we are not thankful for our current role and gifts, then it's pride. In the courtroom of our mind, we judge God that we deserve something better. It's God who gives the gifts and assigns the roles in the church. And we all have a part, whether it gets a lot of attention or not. Ultimately, we serve the audience of one. And that audience of one is God. He is, the, he is the one who we aim to please. He desires unity by using our gifts that He gave to us. Now, you are a spiritual snowflake, as Pastor John MacArthur said. You see, there are 16 spiritual gifts recorded in the New Testament. How many permutations can you have out of 16 gifts? Now, this is just amateur math, okay? So meaning to say, what is permutation? What are the possible combinations? How many combinations can you have out of 16? This is amateur math, so you can correct me after. Um, it's 300,540,195 possibilities. 300,540,195 possibilities. There are many combinations of spiritual gifts. You could have the gift of, you know, um, administration and then the gift of mercy. You can have two gifts, four gifts, you name it. But at the end of the day, God wired you. You are unique. There may be two feet in the body, but there's only one left foot and there's only one right foot. You are a spiritual snowflake. God made you, wired you, in a unique way, and you have a role in the church. It's not the reverse that the church was made for you. No, we were made to be part of His church. So, in summary, God arranged us with different roles in church to work together with humble unity. Our unity as a body should not be self-centered but humble. We put off the self-centered attitude and put on the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. 
And Ted mentioned this in his previous sermon. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If we don't have a humble attitude, then we'll eventually not care for the body. Which leads us to the third and last point. The third and last point, the dependency on Christ and one another. The dependency on Christ and one another, verses 21 to 27. We see in verse 21, Paul calls out the proud members who don't care. The eye tells the hand, I don't need you. Now, the eye is so short-sighted, no pun intended. It does not realize that the eye cannot hold, it cannot grip, it cannot push, it cannot pull. It knows what needs to be done, but it can do nothing without the hand. God designed the body so there is no rock star member who can do everything. Members need each other. Members need to care for one another. And members of the body of Christ means all members, all members. Not just the members who are, you know, easy to serve or the popular or the gifted, but it is also the least among us. And Pastor Rick, last Sunday, pointed this out in his sermon about the importance that because God cares for those who are least among us. The Corinthian church gravitated towards those who were superior in the world's eyes. They didn't care for the least among them. And we see that in chapter 11 when they were disregarding those who were of lower status during the Lord's Supper. You see, Paul corrected their view again by using the human body in verses 22 to 24. There are presentable parts or members that get honor. And those body parts get attention, like the eye or the hand. Now, there are weaker members. And based on his words, these are body parts that are hidden. These may seem to be um, internal organs. Our rib cage protects our heart and lungs. Our skull protects our brain. Our spine protects the nerves. These internal organs are fragile, but they are important. As a matter of fact, you can live without a hand or an eye, but you cannot live without a heart or lungs. What Paul is saying is that we are to value the weakest member of Christ's body. They are essential in God's eyes. The point is, God's ways, His love, His plans are contrary to the world's ways where pride and selfish ambition rule. We see in the Gospels how Christ cared for the widows, Christ cared for the sick, the lepers, the outcasts of society. And Christ's way of care is different from the world's type of care. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we suffer with those who suffer. You see, God, what's the lesson here? God connected us to the body to have interdependence with one another for caring unity. And we see in verses 24 to 25, again, God is the doer of the action here. He composed the body. 
meaning he connected each member of the body that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. We should care the same way as Christ cares. Finally, in the last verse of our passage, we come to the conclusion. In verse 27, Paul says, you, now you are the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. Now means there is a finality. Now means there's, you have to put this into action. And this is the first time he uses the second person, you. You are the body of Christ. He keeps pointing them. He now transitions from the metaphor to reality. He now tells the church, okay, put this into practice. This is not just a science or anatomy class. This is real. We are the body of Christ. We are not just consumers, but we are active participants in the body. Now, when was the last time you showed care in the body of Christ? Do you criticize more in your mind? Or do you use your hands, your body, to show love and care in the church, to build up the church? We need to have the mind of Christ, the attitude of care. You see, it's not enough to say, you know what, I'm not causing any division here. I'm not gossiping. You know, I'm just here in church in the corner. I'm not doing anything. I'm silent. But that is not enough. What God is telling us is that we should love one another, care for one another. We should contribute to the unity of the church. And in John 15, we need to abide in Christ. We have to depend on Christ. Because apart from Him, we won't be able to bear fruit. As I close, let's take to heart and practice, apply these lessons, these biblical truths as obedience to our Lord as members of the body of Christ. So let's do a review. Recognize the design of the body of Christ. That God baptized us into his church as many and diverse members for spiritual unity. What unites us is not worldly things, but of eternal. Because our identity is not tied to the things of this world, but tied to the gospel of Christ. And because of that, we are united together because of Christ. Second, remember the divisiveness of the Corinthian body. Remember the divisiveness of the Corinthian body. You see, they lost sight that God arranged them with different roles in the church, and they need to work together with humble unity. We need to accept our gift. We need to act. We need to uh, love and serve one another with humility. Let's not compare ourselves with one another, right? Put off the self-deprecating attitude, put off the self-exalting attitude, and put on the mind of Christ with loving one another, loving God and loving others. And lastly, recognize, let's recognize our, depend, our dependency on Christ and one another. God connected us to His church to depend on Him and His body for caring unity. 
And as we abide in Christ, as we grow in maturity in Christ, our care for one another will be Christ-like. So let's love and care one another that will contribute to the growth of the unity of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word, how it's alive and that gives life to us. We ask for your spirit to work in our hearts so that we would grow in unity in our church for your glory, for the gospel ministry. Help us to put off our self-centered attitude. May we walk with Christ with humility and love. May we see your church the way you see it, that we would love your church, that we would care for your church, that we would be united together because of the gospel of Christ. We thank you and we love you.